0: We've descended all the way to the bottom of the valley, and you're listening to Barbarian in the Valley, on WNUA 91.1 Amherst.
1: Let your body go soft. Let the golden light enter.
2: Be at peace. No angry crowds. Here, at the bottom of the valley.
3: As I'm sure, and I'm thinking now, I was just sitting there, having coffee, and I gotta think that I must have looked up something on the internet, or, you know, maybe I, uh, I thought something, and that it's, that it's drawn you here, and you're upset, and I want to, I want to, like, okay, 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 just, just back a little, personal space, I need some personal space here, people, listen, I just want to say I'm sorry for whatever I did, and maybe even not just for today, but just like the last year, or even anything I did a long time ago, I apologize, I will make it up to you, I will find a way, okay, that's the police, now when the police come, I don't want anyone getting arrested, this is our time to now all kind of calm down, okay, alright, Don't Attack, the cafe, the cafe has nothing to do with this. It's, did I say, I can't, okay, all right, all right, listen, let's just take a deep breath, folks, okay, take a, This. take a deep, breath. we're gonna calm down now, we're gonna calm down, you know, you calm me down, listen, the cops are on their way, I am Downward. If you calm okay, down, if, if you calm down, right now, I'll give you three seconds to calm down. If you calm down the next three seconds, the cops come. I explained the whole thing. It's my fault. All right, three, we're getting calmer, two, at once putting down the bats, good, one, okay. Thank you, thank you. Oh, it worked worked, I knew it could work. Thank you guys so much. I, right now, I'm feeling a little emotional about this. Ugh. And, and, and yes, I, 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 I am so sorry for what I did. And if we could just go someplace now and figure that out, figure out what I did so that, you know, moving forward, that I and the larger group here can really function as one group. A- a- any kind of transgression any possible way that i would transgress this crowd those days are over and and i and i want to th- thank you. you you know not not for smash my car you know that that's but i get it i get why you smash my i got- i can't say i don't understand why you smash- of course you smash my cars i don't that's fine. That's why we have insurance. I don't know if insurance covers this, but I'm okay with the car being smashed. In fact, let's leave the car smashed. It's a sign of honor. I just want to say how grateful I am that we had this, this time to reflect with one another.
0: Um, I was downtown at a cafe. I was working. I had my laptop out. I go to leave. I literally step right out of the cafe. And there's, like, right there, there's hundreds of people. It Like, this really big, angry crowd is in front of the cafe. And I'm thinking, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what this is about. But, like, it becomes really clear, fast, th- that... they're actually angry at me. Like, they've come to, like, protest me or something. And I'm just trying to calm them. I'm just begging them to calm down so I can figure out what I did. And then, like, I just, I don't know how, I just channeled this thought. Like, I couldn't calm them down. And then all of a sudden I thought, well, you know, what's the strategy here? You know, we've talked about strategies. Like, what strategy can I do? And I thought I'll give them a countdown. You know, not thinking it was going to work. You know, having no sense it work. A three-second countdown. I count down three seconds. I hit zero, you know. And they're totally quiet. And then they erupt in applause. Like they go from that moment of being just so angry to just, I felt so much love from them. I mean, it was it was amazing. It's probably like a peak moment in my life.
1: Hmm. You're telling me that this actually happened. Is that you're t- you're telling me that this actually happened in real life? In yeah, well, because it sounds almost like a dream, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds. It sounds like right, it is that. like a dream. Yeah.
0: I mean, it is like a dream, right? And it, even while I was in it, it felt like a dream. Because it was so unusual. All, I, I, all my distress I felt like was cured in this moment You're of just, like
1: your distress about
0: oh just like not being seen and all this anger directed to me.
1: Oh. Right and it really doesn't even matter if it was real or if it was a dream in that way because well, you felt this sense of satisfaction this sort of I a mean, change
0: think it would matter, don't you, if it was real or a dream?
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I guess I kind of do. I'm a little bit... It's hard for me to really understand why this would occur. It doesn't really feel like see, that you're saying to me that, you know, I, I can't understand what the inciting incident is, is there... Well, I mean, right. you're right. Not...
0: Hey, you and me both.
1: I mean... But that part doesn't bother you. What's really... What you're coming to me with is really how you were able to change the crowd, which I think is great.
0: You know, I just feel like... This is why I shouldn't even have brought it up. You know, this is what I thought you would do, is just, like, question whether this happened. Like, I can't believe I just... Okay, so let's just think about this. I actually just lived through what was a very scary moment, and then triumphant moment, I come in here and tell you about it, and you're questioning whether it's real, you know, (sighs) you know.
1: I, I, you know, I don't know if it's real or not, and I don't mean to, um, doubt you. I, I just, it sounds very odd, and I can't imagine if it did happen how horrible that, Listen, it doesn't matter if it's real or not. You know, we're here to work on... Keep saying on, that.
0: Keep saying no. that. That's really pissing me off right now. No, it does matter if it didn't happen or not. You don't see the difference between that being a dream and actually happening?
1: I'm interested in, in just your reaction. I'm not... Oh, okay. that's... So
0: I should just go and sleep a lot and have these dreams and I'll be okay? Is that what you... Is that the, what we're talking about now? I just dream all this stuff, and I'll be cured. Is that yeah, it? You know, would really appreciate it if you would accept that this happened to me. This is like, this is a trauma. This is traumatizing me right now. This is more traumatizing than the angry crowd I had to deal with. You know, instead of any- just like, just saying, just like. Basically, spending spending this whole session trying to figure out if this happened or not. You know, read the papers. Yeah, you're it's right. on the internet. I,
1: we don't need to... I, listen, I agree. It's on the internet. We don't need to figure out if it's real or not. Um, so let's do talk about that sense of success.
4: The most important part of self-defense is space. If you're not in the area in which you could get hit or kicked, the likelihood of you getting hurt is minimal. In this circumstance, I'm standing away from my patient at least one leg length away, and that is plenty of space for me to stay safe. If she were to become aggressive, I could run out the door. Also, when it comes to space, you want to make sure that you maintain the safe presence the safe presence is at least that one leg length away and off to the side this way if your patient needs to escape your patient can escape and if i need to escape i can escape this is also a lot less threatening than standing directly in front of your patient the next piece of self-defense that is very important is the hit again if i'm in my safe presence and my patient were to come at me to hit me, I could easily get out of the way. However, if I'm not in my safe space and my patient is coming to hit me, what I want to do is put my arms up to block it and get out of the way. We'll do that again in a little bit faster motion. And I would get out of the way. If I do not get out of the way, what's going to happen is she's going to come at me with her next hand. The next piece of self-defense that I would like to show you is the kick. Again, if I'm in my safe space, I'm not going to get kicked. I could see her becoming aggressive and I could get out of the way. If I were not in my safe place and she were coming at me to kick me, what I want to do is I want to step into the kick, turn my body to the side, and keep my foot on the floor. Turning my body to the side gives me less or her less of a target in which to hurt me. Keeping my foot on the floor gives me more stabilization. If I were to pick my foot up and she were to kick me, I would lose my balance and fall over and she'd be able to hurt me. Again, to block a kick, you turn to the side, keep your foot on the ground. The next piece of self-defense that I wanted to show you is the wrist grab. If you are being grabbed by the wrist, what you want to do is you want to use the element of surprise and you want to go in the direction of the weakest point, which is the thumb and the forefingers. To get out of a wrist grab, what you do is you step in and pull out. Pull away from the thumb and the fingers. We'll do that again in faster motion. That time what I did is I used my other hand to add some extra strength and just pulled out in the direction of that thumb and forefinger. If she were to grab me by both hands, I would use the same thing. My momentum, a little twisting motion, and the use of surprise using going in the direction of her thumb and forefinger. The next piece of self-defense that I wanted to show you is the hair pull. If you're getting your hair pulled by a client, what you want to do is you want to take their hands and hold them to your head and call for help. You don't want to take any other action than holding their hands to your head and calling for help. You don't want to pull away or you don't want to try by yourself to peel their fingers out of your hair they're going to get very tangled inside of your hair very quickly so you're going to need that extra person to help get you out of that you would want to do the same thing for this type of hair pull put your hands over their hands and hold them there until you can get somebody to help get them off of you the same holds true for a clothes pull if a client is pulling onto your clothes and you do not want to pull away what you do want to do hold their hand to your clothes get some help for that person to come and pull them away from you the last piece of self-defense we're not going to demonstrate but if you are getting bit by a client the last thing you want to do is pull away from the bite doing so will cause you injury instead you want to push into the bite which will cause the patient's jaws to weaken and allowing you to get out.
5: We have already taken on attitudes, what we like and what we don't like. I like this person, I don't like this person. Now with this person, I will do things willingly, with this person, I'll do things unwillingly. This may be two people, two aspects of life, two communities, two nations, two many things. This I will do willingly, this I do unwillingly. This means I've decided in my mind, this is good, this is bad. When I hear even on national news channels, Good guys and bad guys, it just… Once you have this kind of thing, you are going to be disastrous to the planet, it's just a question of time. The moment you decide, this is a good person, this is a bad person, this has gone deep into American society. No, there are no good people and bad people. Everybody is oscillating between the two. If you create a very pleasant, wonderful atmosphere, everybody behaves wonderfully. If you create an unpleasant atmosphere, a whole lot of people act nasty. Yes or no? Anybody who is not like you is obviously bad, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it so? Those who are not like me must be bad people. Because the basis of goodness and what you think is goodness is decided by you. Mm-hmm. Now, you have no business to do that. Willing means this, I'm just willing. I'm a hundred percent yes to life. I'm not yes to this one, no to this one, no. I'm just yes and yes to life. If you are a hundred percent yes to life, you're a volunteer. Oh, right. You have become a willing life. You have become so willing, that you have no will of your own. People ask me, Sadhguru, how do you operate with all these people? All kinds of horrible questions they're asking, they're doing this, they're doing that. I said, my life is not about them, it's about me. It's about how I am. It's about me. It doesn't matter how they are, that's their choice. But how I am is my choice. This is my way. No matter what they do, I'm like this. Because I have not given that freedom to anybody, that somebody can freak me, somebody can make me angry, somebody can make me happy, somebody can make me unhappy. These privileges I kept to myself. It's time you do that too. Because if somebody else can decide what can happen within you right now, isn't this the ultimate slavery? Huh? Isn't this? Someone else can decide what should happen within you. What happens around you, of course, so many people decide. Hmm? What happens around us is not hundred percent ours, but what happens within me must be my making, isn't it? Right now, just about anybody can freak anybody because they're not volunteers, they're unwilling. But if you want to work with ideal people, you must go to heaven. And today. (laughs) And today. But if you think what you're doing is very significant, you must learn to work with all these horrible people. This is how the world is. If you think what you're doing is very significant, you learn to work with all kinds of people. You will see horrible people will do wonderful things. Yes? Yes? Yes. But if you want to work with ideal people, You won't find any? I haven't found one yet. (laughs) There are all kinds of mixed bags, but (laughs) if you are willing that you are not yes and no, yes to one, no to another, you're simply one big yes, you will find a way.
0: Back in September of 2005, I was on tour. I didn't do a lot of touring, but I did a couple of legs with this really awesome band that you might know called The Walkmen. And The Walkmen would play pretty good-sized venues, depends on what town we were in, and I would be the opener. I would actually be the opener of the opener, I'd be the first person on the stage. And it was solo, and it was kind of a vaudevillian act. That first, the first leg we did, like I said, was September 2005, and it was through the South, and the whole point of the tour was to play shows on the way to Austin, Texas, because the Austin City Limits was happening, which was this big outdoor festival, and the Walkmen were playing that, and that was a big payday, and we moved our way, you know, down through Nashville, and I can't remember, a couple other places, North Carolina, and we ended up basically in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's right. We're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we're playing a show in Baton Rouge. It was a really fun, rowdy crowd, like kind of like strangely rowdy. And after the show, we're in the parking lot, and we had just gotten news that this hurricane was moving up into the Gulf. And this was a year after Katrina had hit New Orleans, so everybody was on like high alert about hurricanes. And we're sitting there in the parking lot thinking – If we're leaving Beaumont for Austin, we're going to cut straight across. We're probably going to do three or four hours, and we're going to stop in Beaumont, Texas. And then we're going to wake up the next morning, and we're going to go to Austin. That's what we would typically do. With this hurricane coming, we actually considered, like, do we go up and around Beaumont? Is that what we do? And even earlier that day, we'd been coming into Baton Rouge, and we saw, Walt and I saw, we went to the gas station, got some gas, and we saw people filling up gas tanks you know, separate gas tanks. And we remember distinctly both of us laughing at these people. Like, look at these people. What are they doing? Then This later would be, we would not be laughing about this at all. Like, we would have basically killed for a Coca-Cola bottle of gas. So anyways, you know, out of the club, Baton Rouge, we decide, you know what, let's just, this couldn't be that serious. Let's just cut across. We'll wake up really early tomorrow morning. This hurricane's not going to touch us. Not really considering the fact that Katrina had happened a year earlier and that everybody in Southeast Texas was about to be evacuated from Southeast Texas. Millions and millions of people were going to be told to leave their homes. You know, not when the hurricane hit. You know, that's not when you evacuate. You evacuate a day or two before the hurricane hits, which is exactly when we were heading for Beaumont. So the next morning we wake up. And it's like, the motel is like a ghost town. It's post-apocalyptic. It's kind of zombie-like. And finally we get in the car, and we take this, we don't head for the big interstate. We head for this back road, trying to game it as much as possible. And that's a whole journey. You know, that's a story for another time. There was tons of what we call balljacking and it really was... 27 hours straight in the car, okay, that's what it was, it was 27 hours straight in the car, going really slow, stopping, starting again, you know, by the end, just like, we're driving four abreast on this two-lane road, inching along, hearses and ambulances are going in the other direction, it's like four in the morning, and of course, we barely have gas, you know, we had gassed up, that was one thing, we had gassed up the night before in Beaumont so that's one good move we made, but by the time we get to this final turn, it's just this one turn on this road, this is the total bottleneck, this is like 23 hours worth of bottleneck, finally turn, we start hitting open road, and there's a gas station, there's a gas station probably only a couple miles from this turn, and that's what we turn into to gas up, now of course, the gas station is just totally mobbed, now, that's the setup for the story. I thought best thing to do was call Walt Martin, who was in the car with me the whole time, to describe what that gas station was like.
6: We get to, we take that left turn and we start, like, open roading it. But we also need gas. So we pull into this gas station. It had to have been just a mile or two after that left turn. What's the scene like? Do you remember?
2: there were people that were, what were they doing? People, there was like, there was that like kind of a fight or something. There were yes. people that were trying to cut the line. Yeah,
6: and there yeah. were, they, there was a couple of Mexican American guys with gas tanks.
2: Right, 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 right.
6: And do you remember yeah, the guy remember. who took what? their gas tanks and threw them away? And then he cut us in line.
2: Oh, I do remember that.
6: Yeah.
2: That was crazy.
6: It was a scary scene. It was a scary scene. Now, so just to be clear, correct me if I'm wrong, this totally like vanilla looking guy, you know, looked like a marketing manager. He was behind us. But the Mexican-American guys were filling up their gas tank. He goes up to them, shums them, and throws their tanks before they can fill up. We're like next to go. We are next to go. And then he gets in his car and cuts in front of us and pumps up. At which point the van was also pumping up. And do you remember what happened when we pulled up to pump up?
2: When the van did?
6: No, when we did.
2: When we did. No.
6: You don't remember?
2: I don't think so, no. They
6: shut off all the pumps.
2: Oh, my gosh. I remember
6: that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally.
2: Because it was getting, like, crazy. So he's like, I'm shutting off the The guy just took it upon himself to shut off the It wasn't that they were out of gas. He just shut off yeah. So
6: I went in the store, and it's like an Indian-American guy running this convenience store gas station. And he got a legitimate reason because it really did feel like a riot could happen at that place. Right. And there were gas station riots during that traffic jam. So, you know, in some ways I could see where he was coming from. But when I went inside with some other people, he was like, Oh, out of gas, we're out of gas and none of us believed that. And then this African American woman was like, You don't want me to get my son because if I have to get my son in here, you're not gonna you're not gonna like it. And then <laughs> Oh she, really. Yeah. And then her son came in and he had to have been six seven and like 400 pounds i mean he was a giant he was a giant he was very gentle he was like mom what are you doing and then i said to the guy i'm going to get you arrested you are in an an emergency situation and you have cut off the gas in an emergency situation and we're going to get you arrested for doing that and that is why he put the gas back on i'm pretty sure because he put it on right away oh wow but it was so. Describe a little bit more of like how you were feeling in the gas station.
2: Uh, it, it was definitely it was scary. It was scary, you know. It was I was feeling like I was in a really bad situation. Or like like yeah, like it felt like a riot was breaking out or like something. People were desperate.
6: But I do remember that the van got gassed up first, and I always felt like Matt was ready to abandon me and basically say, <laughs> Hey, Walt, get in the van.
2: Gym, yeah they were leaving Norma behind, I was like, oh, shit. like, all right, yeah, let's go, <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? We finally got gas, and then we were on then we had open road, right right oh, yeah, and then it was amazing. Then we had that beautiful long drive, and then what do we do when we got to Austin and we got burritos or something? yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever felt
6: that content. It did feel really amazing, I tell you. That day was magical. Once we were past that, was that the the weirdest thing that ever happened to you on tour, or not? Yes, I would say. Yeah.
2: So. I would say so, probably. Yeah. 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 the uh, most? Yeah, yeah, probably the most dramatic, most sort of.
6: I mean, the gas station really felt like a TV show, like a made-for-TV movie type moment. Where like <laughs> someone's about to knock over all of the Pepsi bottles, and right. like shots are gonna ring out here.
2: Right, it did yeah. feel like that.
6: Yeah, yeah. We were in
2: Texas, you know? Those people are crazy.
6: Well, that's true. We were in Texas. Although I'm, I'm seen one way, we were the worst behaved people in Texas.
2: Because we were cutting them oh. off. I mean, of the how many, how many
6: thousands of people did we cut off? A lot. I mean, Probably just, about a thousand. It was just awful. And then at the end, all that was left were ball jackers, you know? Like, literally everyone around us had ball-jacked their way to the club. It was a shameful, shameful collection of ball-jacking cars. As yeah. ambulances and hearses struggled through the underbrush to get back to people who needed
5: ambulances yeah. and the
6: hearses, you know. But you know what? I, I'm okay, you know. I'm, I think my karma odometer is about to turn over and go back to zero, so that's good. You know, I'm... Run it up so high that I think it's actually about to turn over to zero, so. Just have to stay alive. Do a couple more bad things.